This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. I've got a question for you. Have you ever felt intimidated to learn jazz or intimidated to play jazz with others or perhaps you're someone on the outside looking in and it all looks a little bit overwhelming or perhaps you're someone who is working on jazz right now, you're an avid practicer, but you feel often frustrated? Well, There's a good chance that some of the reasons you're feeling that way are because of the culture of the jazz scene itself, the culture of the way this music is taught, the culture in which this music is played. And I want to talk about those problems today, break them down, but have hope if you're one of those people I just described, because I'm going to talk a little bit about my philosophies and how I believe things should work and just how we can create a more inclusive environment for those who want to learn how to play this music. All right. So let's jump right into it. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards, real musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve, no matter what instrument you play. Thanks for being here. Do appreciate you. Quick few announcements before we get started. You may have noticed if you've been listening for the last year that we've been doing a quick win episode of the podcast every single Friday. And recently, as in within the last couple of weeks, we've stopped doing those quick win episodes of the podcast, which is totally fine. We used to only do one podcast episode a week on Mondays. And instead, those quick win episodes of the podcast can be found on our YouTube channel. They're really our YouTube videos. So What you can do is if you've never subscribed to our YouTube channel before, you can go to youtube.com forward slash learn jazz standards, youtube.com forward slash learn jazz standards. If you want to continue watching those, I think those are a little bit more appropriate for that platform because they're kind of shorter little bits of content that um, oftentimes are a little bit more visual. And I felt like the quick wit episodes, uh, because they're more geared towards a visual nature, didn't always... Uh, feel as appropriate for the podcast. And so that's one reason why kind of stopping the quick win episodes. But also, by the way, if you're someone who's never signed up for our newsletter, I always shoot out whenever we have a new podcast episode or a YouTube video to our newsletter. So if you want to be up to date on all that, just go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash newsletter. And that's where you can sign up for that. Okay. So all the business now put aside, let's jump into the topic today. So I want to kick off this, speaking of YouTube, I want to kick off this podcast episode today uh, reading a comment that I had on a recent YouTube video that I came out with. And the name of this video was called Jazz Theory in 15 minutes. Okay. And so basically within the the 15 minutes of the the video, I go for as much jazz theory or music theory that is pertinent 
to jazz as you need to know. I go over a song example and we kind of use that as the basis and start from the ground on up. So um, this was the comment that I received on the YouTube channel. I want to read it to you because I think it really demonstrates the point of this episode today. And so this person said, with all due respect, that is just basic music theory, not jazz theory. The backbone of jazz theory is what I call the quote unquote bebop equation, something that comes from the bebop dominant scale, two minor seven, four major seven, seven half diminished five seven, combined with the knowledge that comes from the diminished seventh chord, which asserts that a five seven flat nine chord can be replaced by any dominant chord whose root is a minor third away. This equation lets us realize and create all kinds of chord substitutions. In the song My Shining Hour, for instance, this would be allow us to recognize that the F minor seven B flat seven is functionally equivalent to a D minor seven flat five G seven alt. Therefore, the same lines would work over both chords as long as they resolve correctly. Through the bebop equation, functional chord progressions of jazz standards can easily be reduced to simple tension, subdominant and dominant chords, and release tonic function chords. This is why understanding chord function and functional harmony is more important than understanding chord degrees in isolation. As for modes understood as chord scales, it is the most detrimental way of thinking for learning the jazz language. Just that that type of thinking should be reserved for modal tunes only. Okay, I don't usually respond to comments on my videos or anything really that I find to be um, particularly combative or negative. And, you know, arguably he wasn't insulting or disrespectful per se, right? Um, but I don't usually respond to these kinds of comments. However, in this particular case, I chose to respond to the comment. And this basically sums up what I think about everything in that, no offense to this person, word vomit of a paragraph means. Okay. And so this is what I wrote back. I said, take this as no offense. But anyone who is slightly newer to jazz or just isn't as familiar with theory will take one look at this paragraph and leave utterly confused. Understanding jazz through theory doesn't have to be that complicated. Understanding jazz theory doesn't have to be that complicated, okay? Because, again... Anyone who would have read that paragraph or even you just heard it now, there is some accuracies obviously within the things that he's talking about, but one look at that and people are going to be intimidated. And this comes to the first problem I see with, for lack of t better terms, the, the jazz community or the jazz scene or the jazz education community even, right? And that would be the pretentious high barrier to entry, okay? the pretentious high barrier to entry. So oftentimes you'll hear people saying very smart sounding things online or elsewhere, or even teachers at a college, right? It sounds very smart. It sounds very mathematical. It sounds very educated, right? But ultimately it falls on many ears completely flat, right? Because it assumes a level of knowledge that the person listening simply does not have. And so this is where that that part of that perception of, oh, jazz is a very complicated style of music, right? Jazz is difficult, right? That's part of where that comes from is because jazz is often unfortunately taught in such a way that makes it way more complicated than it really is, right? And, and that's not to say that jazz isn't 
perhaps a more complicated style of music compared to others. It really kind of just depends on your musical experience and the way you perceive things in the first place. But the problem here is the presentation of the material is way over the heads of most people. And it's way too intellectualized so that people who want to learn the music simply just are turned off by the way it's being presented to them in the first place, right? So this is a huge problem that I see. I see constantly music being made way too complicated, particularly jazz. And this really does tend to happen in the theory realm because absolutely is music theory helpful for learning jazz? Of course it is. Like it's definitely helpful. It's helpful for learning any style of music, right? But it's often used as this tool that for many people makes things way too complicated, right? And for some people, they like it and they get into it and they eventually learn more as they go. But for many people, the first thing people say is like, hey, bebop equivalent and, you know, melodic minor application, you know, diminished five, seven, flat nine theory, minor third from the root. Like, and whoa, I'm already lost. I'm already gone, right? When in reality, Jazz is pretty simple in a sense. You just need to understand how chord progressions are built, right? Then you just need to understand how to play chords. And then you need to essentially just start learning how to play melodies of jazz standards by ear and learn musical phrases by ear and then sprinkle in theory as you go. In my opinion, that's the easiest way to learn jazz is like you just... Understand your basics, your chords, your chord progressions. You find a jazz standard that presents you with some of those common chord progressions, like a 2-5-1. Eventually, you go, hey, that's what we call a 2-5-1. That's pretty basic theory, right? Um, but you have to that, come to that understanding first. And then it's like, okay, sure, there's chord scale theory we could go for. But honestly, we have the chord tones. We know the chord tones already. We can use those to improvise. That's a really simple starting place. Or, hey, let's learn the melody by ear. Hey, we can actually use the melody to start soloing as well. Or, hey, you know, let's listen to this recording here of Charlie Parker or Sonny Rollins or Bill Evans. And I just want to learn that one little thing that they play over the 251. I don't have to understand it completely, but now I have some new sounds that I can experiment with. That's really how you start playing jazz, honestly. Okay. And honestly, a lot of people learn any kind of music that way, right? Um, they could be learning it by reading notation. That certainly happens, right? And it's not necessarily a bad thing per se. But a lot of times it's kind of like, hey, how? what's that melody of that Beatles tune? Let me try to figure that out on my instrument. Or here, let's pu pull up a chord chart of that Foo Fighters song and try to figure out what those, you know, how do I play those chords on my instrument? Like that's kind of how it all starts. And then you just kind of figure out and you learn by ear and you learn more songs and you gain more skills. And that's the same thing with jazz. Okay. So we see this happening all the time in jazz education, this pretentiousness of how the music is taught. Like it has to be taught this, learned this way. That's another problem that we see, right? So we have some traditionalists, right, who come into the room and say, the only way to learn jazz is by learning it by ear. Okay, the only way to learn jazz is by learning it by ear. Okay, in theory, 
there's some historical truth in the fact that learning jazz by ear is a common thing to do, right? So a lot of the greats were listening to recordings and copying solos from each other. That's what they were doing, right? Or jamming with others and learning that way, figuring it out because the music was being created, right? So that's what was happening. And improvisation, absolutely, like you want to have a good ear. I mean, you're not going to improvise by reading notation. That's not improvising at all, right? So there's truth in the statement that learning music by ear is a good thing for jazz and jazz improvisation, right? It's, it's more helpful for jazz than that would be for classical, for example, right? It's just a stylistic thing. Like, I mean, improvisation, it makes sense. However, the pretentiousness of saying you have to learn all jazz by ear or forget it, that is a huge turnoff. And it's also not understanding where your students are, right? Or where the people who want to learn this music are. So for example, you know, in our inner circle membership, we provide notation for pretty much everything, right? And the reason we do that is because that is a helpful tool for some people to get started. Do we recommend memorizing the material if you want to internalize it? Yes. Do we always recommend learning the melody of a jazz standard by ear? Yes, we do. Do we provide training for learning music by ear? Yes, we do. Absolutely. But to say that the only way to learn jazz is this one way is both pretentious, right? And incorrect, okay? Um, There is no one best way to learn jazz. And I know I've been caught guilty of claiming there's a best way multiple times. And usually, though, if you've listened to those episodes or watched those videos, you kind of hear in between the lines there that the best way is somewhat subjective, right? There are better guidelines. There are certain things that all jazz musicians should be doing, right? There are certain tenets that are going to set you up for success better than others, but there's not one way to learn jazz, right? So that's another angle at this pretentious side of the jazz scene, especially as it relates to the, uh, especially as it relates to education of the music. Now, the other pretentious side of jazz that I think turns a lot of people off, or at least this attitude within the jazz scene that turns a lot of people off, is sort of this idea among a lot of jazz musicians that jazz is a superior art form to all other kinds of music, right? There's sort of this um, egotisticalness that comes along with it. Like, we are performing high art, that kind of a thing, right? And now it's rooted in the love for the music, obviously. It's rooted in the dedication to the music. And, you know, many great jazz musicians are dedicated, right? You practice a lot. They have listened a lot. They've studied a lot. They've put in a lot of their life effort into playing that music at a high level. So first, I'm not going to demonize them completely, right? I mean, obviously, it's okay to love the style of music that you're doing. And also in between that, We have to look at the side of that that is slightly truthful, not in the sense that it is better, but that there is a depth to jazz that some styles of music don't have, at least when it comes to technical ability, right, or harmonic depth, right? So in other words, 
rock and pop, harmonic variety, harmonic depth is not as important to those styles as it is to jazz, right? In jazz, we have lots of chords going by. We have lots of different harmonic things happening. We have key center changes. We have moves to the relative minor. We have two five ones. We have one six two five ones. We have turnarounds. We have lots of diminished harmony. We have a lot of things going on harmonically speaking. So there's a lot of depth there. And that's why oftentimes I'll say on this podcast, like, hey, you want to become a better rock, pop, or whatever player? Learn a little bit of jazz because jazz has a lot of things to teach you. And that goes same for classical, by the way. By the way, I think that classical musicians have a similar uh, pretentious problem that jazz musicians do. But there's a lot of depth and a lot of uh, technical um, things within classical music and theory and um, musicality that's involved in classical music, right? That, again, is a depth that is, in some ways, you could call it more prevalent, right, than other styles of music. But when we start going, like, and saying, as a general idea or philosophy or concept that jazz is a superior music to other styles of music. Well, that's delusional, right? Because A, music is subjective to the listener, right? Um, music is environmental, right? It's, it's, the, it's the one will enjoy music of which they are an environment of, right? And on top of that, we we know that Music that moves people is good music. Music that doesn't move people is bad music, right? <laughs> I mean, that's extreme terms, but I mean, that's a general concept of why we like and don't like music. Like music is very subjective, right? So better is 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 difficult to to ever claim, right? Um, it is also incorrect to look down upon musicians who play other styles because there are certain elements of those styles that are not prevalent in jazz. If we want to look at it from a technical standpoint, right? In bluegrass music, in country music, in pop music, uh, in folk music, for just for some examples here, there are certain technical things that are happening that a jazz musician cannot do, um, or at least do not do well, right? I mean, if someone goes and asks me to play a singer-songwriter gig, I'll get through it absolutely just fine because I know some basic chords. I know some things. Um, I'll study the music a little bit. But will I play it with the authenticity and the expertise that someone who truly knows their craft and knows what they're doing can do? Absolutely not, right? There's something to be learned from every single style of music. So it's an unfortunate thing when those from the outside looking in feel like there's this pretentiousness around the music and they see others um, claiming or even just showing in their mannerisms that jazz is a superior music to what they're playing now or what everybody else is playing, right? Um, so that's another problem with it. So let's go to the next problem that I see with the jazz community is there's this passive, aggressive sort of, again, for lack of better terms, vibe culture that unfortunately happens a lot in jazz. Like you see this play out a lot at a public jam session or when you get a bunch of musicians who play jazz together, 
or so on and so forth. So the best way to describe this is, you know, if you're someone who knows some jazz, but isn't that great at playing jazz yet, and you show up to a public jam session, um, and I'm not saying this will happen every single time, but it's just a general, I'm making generalizations here. You'll go up and there'll be some more seasoned players playing, and there's going to be this sort of vibe there. So they'll call a song. Okay. So, Hey, do you know, um, in your own sweet way? And you'll be like, I don't, sorry, I don't know that one. Okay. Okay, man. Okay. Right. So immediately the passive aggressiveness starts happening. Um, okay. Well, do you know, um, darn that dream? Oh man. Sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't know that one. I know that. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, well, do you know it could happen to you? And you're like, Oh man, I, I I sort of learned that one, but then I, I don't know it that well. Can we do a different one? <sighs> okay. Um, well, can we do all right? Which, which one do you want? Which one do you know, man? Which one do you know, man? Like, okay, very passive aggressive. Then you're like embarrassed and flustered already. And then you like say one that you know, and then they're like, okay, cool, cool. Like again, passive aggressive, cool, man. Like very confident. Um, like, <laughs> you know. Very uh, insecure, ultimately, but that you know, insecure people often act uh, overconfident and passive aggressive to others. So, <laughs> you know, we I mean, we won't go into all that and the psychology. Why do why do people behave this way? But you know, th- this exists unfortunately in the jazz scene. So it, it's not this. Uh, what's the opposite of it? The opposite of it would be. You go to this said jam session and someone with a smile is like, hey, would you like to come play with us? And you're like, oh, sure. Yeah. Um, And they're like, cool. Well, what songs do you know how to play? Oh, I know how to play this one. Oh, that's cool. We know how to play that one, too. Let's play it. Awesome. Let's do it. Right. So in other words, only pleasantries in invitation, like, hey, what do you know how to play? Let's do this thing together. Right. Or let's just say they say, well, can you play this song? And you say, no, like. Oh, that's that's fine. What do you feel comfortable playing? Right, immediately de- defaulting to the person who's new in the room. Like, what do you want to do? Right, or 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 this 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 thing right where like let's someone gets lost in the middle of the song, and there's this shame culture there. It's like oh, they got they got lost. Right, so the piano player might look over you and be like, we're at the A section, right? And yes, they're trying to help you absolutely, but there's this sort of like look in their eyes like. Man, you really screwed this up, didn't you? Right? Um, or oh, great, another guy that doesn't know how to keep the form, right? Okay, so it's this lack of understanding of and this this uh, warmth to people that are trying to learn the music, right? It's not like, hey, trial and error here. Let's learn together, right? It is absolutely trial and error, but it's more the other way around. It's like, wow, you just really sucked. You should feel horrible about yourself. Shame culture, shame, 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 shame. Passive aggressive, making you feel bad about yourself, even though to your face I'm saying, good job, man. It's that kind of a thing that people get a bad vibe, a bad feeling, a bad energy from trying to play jazz. And that just turns people off, even people that are really sincerely interested in the music who are actually practicing a lot and trying, it creates this intimidation culture within the music of trying to play it with others, right? 
And so, again, I hope that that's not a jam session that you attend, or I hope that you're a part of a community that isn't like that, because there's certainly many. It's just that there is this culture around it, and so much so that a video like Whip, uh, a movie like Whiplash was created, right? So if anybody's ever seen Whiplash, it features um, this drummer in college, um, and it features a big band and, and the instructor who's um, basically a warlord, basically. And when I first watched that movie, Whiplash, I was like, this, I, I cannot stand this movie. This, this, this is not really how jazz is. And to a degree, I stand by that. That's not really how jazz is. Like it's not violent. It's not usually that verbally abusive. Right. Um, so, but to me, there was truth in all of it though. It's basically like they took a culture that does exist in jazz but blew it up to the extreme, right? <laughs> um, but obviously, again, there's like truth in everything. You know, you've heard that before. There is some truth in whiplash. There is some truth that everybody's had some teacher who was exhibiting that shame culture, that learn by fire kind of methodology, right? So, these to me are the main things, the main problems with the jazz community that exists today and the main reasons why so many people either are are too afraid to start learning, are intimidated or get frustrated and eventually leave it altogether, right? This is these are problems. These are serious problems that um they may exist to some degrees in other genre communities of music, right? But to me, they're quite prevalent, certainly, in the jazz community, okay? So, what's the difference? What do we want? What do we actually want? So, first of all, we need to stop explaining how to play jazz in terms that are so complex, right? We need to start learning how to teach jazz in more simpler terms. And this may sound like I'm patting myself on the back and all that stuff. But I am very proud that many people who send me emails or comment on my YouTube videos or any of those things or talk on my podcast often say, you're the first person to ever explain things that simply. You're the first person that said it in a way that I actually understood. And the ones that I feel the most proud of are when people say, you're the first, uh, you're this the first time I've ever felt like it was okay to learn jazz and not do it perfectly, right? Um, so I am very proud of that. And honestly, when it comes down to it, that is my ethos. That is my philosophy as a, a teacher and as what I like to call myself a jazz coach. Like I want to make sure that no matter where you're at in your journey, you're going to feel like it's okay to mess up. It's okay to not necessarily know something, even if it's a simple, simple music theory concept, right, that that you assume many people know, but you don't know it, it's okay to not know it, right? And it's okay to learn by trial and error, right? It's okay to learn slowly, right? These are all things that I believe. It's what we teach in our Inner Circle membership. It's what I try to teach here on this podcast and so on and so forth. So I think we need more of this. And I also do think that this needs to exist not just online and among folks like me, small companies like me. It needs to exist in larger institutions. I'm talking about Berklee College of Music. I'm talking about Manhattan School of Music. Anywhere that in higher education that teaches jazz and teaches music in general, there needs to be 
a culture of learning music through exploration and curiosity, not shame and passive, aggressive um, pretentiousness, right? So we need more of that. We need more of that to happen in the scene. Among the social settings that I, that I had described, like at a jam session, for example, we need more compassion. We need more um, inclusivity of musicians that are just trying to learn the ropes, right? Um, there needs to be a little less selfishness attached to playing the music. So you often have these musicians that, to be fair, yes, they've, they've really tried. They've really practiced. They've really put in the time. And, you know, they've reached a higher level in their playing. That's to be rewarded. And they should naturally, yes, hang out with musicians that are just as good as them so that their experience is elevated and is not interrupted, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that if someone who is less experienced comes into the social circle, that they should not be willing to help that person elevate themselves too, right? We need more of that in the jazz scene. We need more of people being accepting of someone who doesn't know that much or is still learning and make them feel welcome, like make them feel like it's okay, right? Like, cool, like, you know, check this out. So yeah, that was good. The pretty good what you're doing there. You know, here's something that I did that really helped me improve my solos or here's something that I did that really helped me. Um, not get lost so much, and you know it's not it's not a, it's not a big deal, man. That happens to everybody, right? Because it does happen to everybody, by the way. Um, so we need more of that. And yes, I'm really just talking about good, kinded human spirit. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we need more of that in this world, obviously. But within music, I think it's incredibly important because music, to me, should never be something that feels heavy, that feels. Um, painful, right? It should be something that is enjoyed, is, is fun for everybody, and you enjoy the learning process, right? And so we don't want others that we're trying to learn with or learn from to treat us in such a way that um, causes us, uh, us to retreat. Because yes, you do have the argument of, well, you know, Charlie Parker, for example, he learned by getting criticized and laughed off a stage, Right. <laughs> Literally, that happened, right? He had a cymbal thrown at him, apparently. So he learned that way, and all these other jazz musicians like learned that way. So that's how we should learn, too. Well, I just don't believe that, and I also don't believe that really is helpful. And quite frankly, that's the opposite of the community that we have in our Inner Circle membership. Like Everybody is uplifting to each other. They're helpful. They're not putting anyone down. They're giving constructive criticism, if anything. And that's what we want. We want a social culture within jazz more like that. I'm very proud that we host a community that is like that. And I think all of my inner circle members would agree with that statement. So if you're someone who has felt all of these things that I've mentioned before, I just want to let you know, that's not what we do here when you're listening to this podcast. And that's not what I believe jazz is about. So do take hope, do take encouragement, Know that you can make mistakes. Know that you can not know anything and start playing jazz. Know that you don't need to know a bunch of complex music theory that sounds like rocket science. And know that it's a good thing to learn by curiosity and exploration. All right, that's all for today's 
podcast episode. Thank you for listening. I do appreciate your time. Hope that you learned something. Hope that you got some value from this today. By the way, if you do want help on your jazz journey, then do consider checking out our LGS Inner Circle. Like I mentioned, it's such a supportive community. We have over 1,600 musicians in there playing all sorts of instruments. Uh, posting their playing, posting their progress, giving encouragement. It's really uh, a great place to be. And the main thing we do there is we learn one jazz standard a month. And yeah, we do have courses and a lot of other stuff in there. But the main thing we do is something that is attainable for most people. It doesn't require you know, a billion hours of practice. It's just one jazz standard a month. And there's certain things that we practice within that. And you can pick and choose if there's too much and you just want to work on one thing. Uh, but it's something that really will help you make real actual improvements month by month by month, and, and you won't get burned out. You'll just really enjoy the process, and uh, that's what I'm excited to do. In fact, right now, we're studying how high the moon. That's the jazz standard that we're working on, and it's just a lot of fun to see people posting their recordings and learning and growing. And some of our members who have been with us since literally when we started the membership like it's incredible to see what happens when you learn one jazz standard every month and then two and a half, almost three years later, like what happens to your jazz playing, right? It's that incremental improvement over time that builds you, builds your confidence, helps you have a lot more fun and helps you improve. So check it out at ljsinnercircle.com or if you're on your podcast app right now, check out the the description on the podcast episode and you'll find a link to the inner circle there. Or if you're on the website watching right now, you'll find a link in the show notes, right? So check it out. All right, we're gonna be coming out another great episode of the podcast coming up. So make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and we'll see you back then. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS podcast brought to you by learnjazzstandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. And don't forget to join our jazz community at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.